You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. Oh my, oh my God, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his pussiness. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> That's why ultimately I feel like gun serves no purpose in the story. Like she's there to be a plot mover, but she's not even used in all the ways they could have used that actress to really create some great scenes and juxtapositions between Villeneuve and and Gunn and Alain, sadly. No, you are, yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I can bring up another example, actually, because there was a, a situation like that in Picard where you used the juxtaposition of someone else. I think it's the, no, yeah, it's the beginning of the second season where there's an interaction with Seven and a hollow touches her implant. She doesn't like it. And she recoils like, bitch, don't be touching me. And it's a reflection on not just how she deals with people interpersonally, how she feels about her implants or herself. And then you juxtapose that with the end of the season. Rafi touches her implant again, and it's a completely different interaction. It's a smile. It's soft. It's leaning into it, which not only says, here's an indication of their relationship and their closeness, but here's an indication of the character's acceptance of self, their character mm. arc of, I was here at the beginning of the season, and now I'm here. <sighs> the way Killing Eve didn't have a single bookend. <laughs> I could even go the other way with Black Sails because it has one of the most adorable gay panics I've ever seen in a show, you know, where where someone's life is in danger because the gay panic is so hard. And Bonnie was shooketh. You know what? Some girls can do that to you. The vapors, they get in there and it's shooketh and then you take an assassin bitch, which is damn Bonnie. Like she's a killer. She's a murderer. And then you give her the gay panic and murder could be something that happens. No spoilers, but maybe it is. Right. Um, but she, her response to like, what am I feeling? Is to hem that bitch up with a knife. And then, like I said, she's like, hold up, let me just move this knife. Right, I, think, I think you want this kiss. And she's like, wait, what are you doing? Wait, what? And then she's putty. She is putty. Mm. And I think, like, you know, Stars always has salacious moments because that's kind of a Stars thing. You go there for some nudity and a side of story. And I liked what they did with the queer jaunt in that show because it was accurate. It was truth. There's a moment where, okay, this bitch is like, wow, am I lesbian in it? Because she's pretty. And, you know, she's, she does things like she walks past the door, she can see the bitch naked. She's like, oh. Like, she's literally a mess. <laughs> so by the time the character is like, I know what you want. And it's cool. I would like to give it to you. And she does that. It's a hot mess. Okay. Okay, here's the dude that's involved over here on the uh, tertiary situation who's like, oh, this is happening? Fine. When it's done, just make sure you come back to bed. The way homegirl did not come back to bed. <laughs> the way the show said, it's morning time. It's not time. done, right. It's, it's not morning done. time. He wakes up like, where is she? Goes to the room. They sail. They literally are mid, what I would guess, to say something, Ann Lister would say, 17th kiss. No, no, 17th right, right, oh, right. Because this is a new gay right. who has been lusting, lusting and brooding for quite some time. Did all this extra shit that she didn't even know was a result of her gay panic and her falling in love. And now she is finally tasting the sweet nectars of the object of her desire to cut it short, to be like, it's Tim. Uh, he's expecting me back. It's midnight. I need to head back. It's <laughs> it's, it's late. Right. Let me get a good night's rest. Is no! That, is that the sun? It's done. <laughs> and you're not worried about the sun. Right, right, And right. Terrence, when the scene comes in, her hair is matted. It's matted. She is sweating. She is in the throw. She's a hot mess. <laughs> and the learned queer is doing what learned queers do, mm. which is turning a bitch out. And 
<laughs> I've been used to, to watch, but you know, throw open that door like, yo, what the? And that's the gay John. And that's yeah. the gay John. And this is the only other spoiler I'll give because it still remains like one of the best things I've experienced on TV from a, a queer bitch is the interaction with one of these girls with the guy who thought this can't be gay. Because he's like, you mean to tell me all these murders, all this shit was happening because she wanted to fuck you? And the girl's basically like, why don't you ask that motherfucker over there or that? Oh, right. They're dead. Oh, so well, I didn't make the rules. Well. <laughs> no, the way that she acts it, the way that she does it. Shout out to Jessica Parker Kennedy. She deserves more things. But yeah, it's a very jaunty shit. But that's another example of a show making sense with a sex scene. Like, you're not just putting a sex scene in here to be gratuitous. But at the same time, why can't people have gratuitous fun in entertainment? That's okay. That's all right. Not everything has to be gratuitous, but some things can be gratuitous. But then also, gratuitous things can also Serve advance a purpose. the story. Right. Right. Okay. We're showing this is a deeply passionate relationship. And what I appreciate about that, it wasn't just I'm falling in love because you out here being a, a whole ass, what do you call it? Chivalrous person. You're saving me. I'm the damsel. You're the prince or whatever. It's attraction. It's like, yes, your personality has me interested, but also your body. This is this is gay. And so I'm going over here to be gay as fuck and make no sense. And there's another line where he's like, yo, you're falling apart. Like, she got you. Like, what if she's manipulating you? And she literally is like, there's nothing I can do about it. Thank you. Right. Uh, she literally says, uh, uh, it may be true. A bitch may be manipulating me. A bitch may be up to no good. But the way that I'll be returning to her boudoir, I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> and I was like, yo, men wrote they gotta have gay friends. Man, I hope, this? right, right. And the way Killing Eve gave us none of that jaunt. They gave us none of that energy. They gave us none of that. You know, I fear for the early stages of Black Sales, but the, the later, after the, the beginning. early stages right. is really just those first four episodes. Oh, okay. So. I said people on Twitter, there is a sexual assault that happens. There's absolutely a trigger warning for that. There is violence against women. It will bother you. It bothered me. I almost didn't make it through the show if it wasn't for the host that mm. I was there for. And the, you know, what I knew to be the fictional story from reading the book, Treasure Island. And then, of course, the real world people that they were involving in the story. I do like a good pirate thing. But if you feature women, if you no, show bitch. women on some piracy, killing bitches. I'm there. It's already Listen, my fantasy. It's already. Remember the commercial I found? It was for like some skin cream. I want to say it was called Espa Cream. And it was just two women sword fighting each other. And I was like, where's the story? Where is this? It doesn't I even need a story though. No, I, just right, needs to have those no, women. Right. Right. Sword fighting. Right. For whatever reason. So that was the jaunty Black Sales thing. But if I said anything there to convince anyone to watch it, we will be starting that eventually going through the rewatch for Church of Misandry. But it is it remains one of my favorites because it just, it was giving. In ways that a whole lot of other queer media has not gave. Has not given it. And when I think about within this specific context of queer chasing, queer waiting, the expression of queer sex on screen without it being exploitation. Because hets have been using it to exploit us for their own purposes, their own desires whatever do what you want but don't put it onto us when we actually just want to see ourselves in media and our own stories because well it's not fair well it definitely is is not fair well you drove home the point about you know firstly let's not pigeonhole a sex scene needing to be either gratuitous or non but also the aspect that it can exist whether it's solely gratuitous or if you blend it and have it serve a purpose. In the fullness of the light of thinking of things and how I was mentioning Bound in the 90s all those years ago, being a very provocative and I think a great way, sex scene between two women that is not just the same shit we see. And then you have The Handmaiden all these years later, which sent a lot of people blushing. And I'm like, well, it's fine to blush, but if you think something was wrong with it, you should probably meditate and marinate on what actually bothered you about that. Because there are some people who are prudish about 
about nudity and I really do feel like that's part of what's holding society back is the obsession with nude bodies versus the obsession of what happens to bodies from people without consent. But if you're getting your gaucheries from nudity versus homophobia, like I'm just trying to figure out like what upsets you more. Right. Is it the nudity? Are you just attributing nudity immediately to pornography? Right. Like what is your relationship? Why, why, why do you do that? Because that's that's the best of patriarchy. That's the male gaze. If you just assume that all nude bodies are for the hedonistic consumption of men, that problem begins with you. Right. Like, are you looking, are you watching uh, Virginia Woolf and going, it's porno. It's porn. We're at porn. This is porn land. Wait, you said Virginia Woolf? Yes. Oh, wait, wait. Wait a minute. Why are we in Portland? Vietnamese? Because they were salacious enough that I'm like, that's erotica. <laughs> but I, you know, I love a good, I love a good letter. I really do. No, no. I, I, erotica for me. I am with you on letters. It's prettily words, no, right? Yes. It's it's how you say it prettily. I need. It's you taking my breath away with in rhetoric. a thousand ways. What? Yes. Exactly. Uh, oh yeah, I derailed with Virginia Woolf. We were talking about yes. What is with the immediate association of nudity with? Pornography, right? Why? Well, that's men. Yeah, that is certainly men. Which is why I, I feel like, I mean, as you know, I took part of many protests where part of the agitation is like showing your body. Yes, in front of men, they're like, right. and they just want to cover you right. and do things, and it's like, Paint actually, that's the why boobs. I'm here. Right, right, right. right. Like the um, cans film freedom festival. of the boob. Exactly. The, right. Exactly. Stop raping us. Well, we see you. And what well, are we I mean, doing about that's what well, the whole provocation has always been. If a naked woman's body or a topless you know, titties got you all bent out of shape versus what they're protesting about, which is like, stop the murder, stop the rape, stop the assault, stop the madness. Look inward. Thank you. When you look at just like all this stuff and salacious, you know, air quotes, whatever, provocative sex scenes between women, it's still, it's still on one hand. It's still literally on the palm. And I will use one finger for L word because L word, I would at this point probably right, has dozens. Yeah. But that doesn't count in the same way because it's queers doing it. And that's, Actually, that's what you want. That's what you want to see. Yep. And that's why it was revolutionary when it first came out because heads were like there's no way lesbians have that much sex there's no there's no way and it's like actually um well if you want to know the truth this is how it goes. But outside of the L word, I'm like black sales because I'm trying to think of things that might have had some expression of nudity or indicative of some actual sex happening the same way that the hats get. Mm. Here's a half a boob. Here's a shoulder. Here's an abdomen. Here's a provocatively shot thing. Look at Game of Thrones. There's a lot of things in Game of Thrones. HBO is well known for throwing, especially their actresses, out there for the nudity. And it's like, there's not, even with all this shit and with all the complaining of the hats, there's no salacious stuff. And in fact, we're going in the opposite direction. Of saying, no, well, should we even think about a love scene between two characters who have been with each other on screen and establishing a relationship for three fucking seasons? But it, will, will it be exploitative, though? We're not even asking this about characters that just met. Will it be exploitative? Will it? Will it? We're asking about two characters with established love. Literally, one character said, I love you at the uh -huh. end of series two, but we're still talking about exploitation. How? How? And if we're talking about equality, if we're talking about the queers actually having stuff that the heads have, why cannot we have equality in all the ways? Tell the truth. And if you are too fucking prudish, if you are too fucking religious, mm -hmm. if you are too fucking limited in your scope of imagination and conceiving of what queer love should look like, stop fucking writing it. Stop fucking including queer people for money, for clicks, for notoriety, right. for the audience only to use and abuse like so many het writers have done before, only to be a coward, only to pretend like you're being progressive, like the Russo saying, oh, this is a gay person in the movie, but it's literally the barest mention, looking yep. for some sort of banner of allyship when you've done nothing. And as in comparison to things that have come out decades prior, you've really done nothing. You've really done nothing. Because again, what am I supposed to be thanking you for if I can go 30 years in the past and find something better? What am I thanking you for? They're like, but our adults, but, but Disney, like, I I'm not even going to go down that road where it's like, ah, eventually we'll be okay with gay, but we're not okay with gay yet. And... 
the that weird dance that we're doing where it's like, yeah, we we care about everyone because right, love is love, but actually, love is not love. Uh, I never liked that phrase just because I thought it gave Hudson an out from really interrogating their homophobia because getting rid of homophobia isn't as easy as just saying love is love, but it sure is if you don't want to get no heat, if you don't want HR to call you to fuck up at the job you work at, but it doesn't actually require you doing the hard work of eroding the preconceived biases in your fucking brain, doing whatever you think and do in private, approaching people in the clubs for a third when it's appropriate for your fantasies to save your marriage, but not when the gays are like, can we just get something that we care about? Well, 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 can't you wait? Well, well, what will the people think? Well, what if the children see? Like, I'm over it, which is why I'm ready to kick the heads entirely out. I said in the last thing, I don't know if it was live or a podcast, but if you're not a cohort, I'm not trying to fucks with you. All right. If yeah. you're not ready to get down and dirty. Right. Shake some With this liberation up. shit, right. get the fuck away from me and stop pretending like you fucking care. I'm not with the shits because mm. revolutionary shit is specific. So I don't fuck with fake ones. I was about to, you know, I was about to do a lyric. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's begging to come out, and I'm trying to say, don't, don't rap. But no, you you better be a real one. You better be about that shit. All my favorite hats have been cohorts. Like, we, oh, someone's trying to gay bash. We all jumping together. We're all jumping in because it all matters to all of us. That is a cohort. And allies, like, you got it. Good luck. Best of luck in your fight. I hope it works out for you. I personally can't get involved and put myself at risk, but I hope it works out for you. Yeah, I guess that's the difference between, uh, wow. Now, I was about to rap. I can't. I can't. Uh, let me just get it out. You ain't a crook, son. You just a shook one. Yeah. Okay. It's out. <laughs> it's out. I said it. But yeah, like y'all be there for the dollars and the grifts. Like even in like some of the communities where you're like, yeah, it's a this is a safe space channel, but you're ahead and you're not really there when queers are saying, we need this to change. You're not there for that. Because you're like, I mean, but I'm already, I have, my space is a safe space. Isn't that, isn't that the goal? No, the goal is not just to be a place where people can, I don't know, whatever you call what you have them doing, just in your space vibing. It's mm -hmm. more than the vibe. It's also the action and the needing to um, stand against the things that are trying to deteriorate uh, their standings publicly. So like, it's 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 to the point where I've I had to see queer like even gaming streamers tell other streamers to stop putting the LGBTQ tag on their stuff. Everyone's but trying to grift, right? Everyone's right. trying to grift, and it's annoying. It's queerness as commodification, which, to be fair, is how the heads have always preferred us. How can we commodify? How can we make money? How can we benefit from your existence and then go away? Oh, it's time for go the, away. It's the Back season. In the closet. It's the season for the new logos. It's it's almost Pride time, so everybody's oh, gonna dear. do their things. Yep, oh, boy. you already know how it's gonna uh, go down. That's why I feel like this should be the kinkiest Pride ever. Only because, well, I mean. That's debatable with the monkeypox and the variants running Ooh. around out there. But just because this, I really do feel like the way in which people are trying to force queers back in the closet, back into some sort of respectability, be ashamed of this. Be ashamed of this by yourself. That people need to be the loudest they ever been about themselves and not give a fuck. Hets, you could just not look. You could just go away. You could just mind your business, actually. Which is when Pride was at its best. When the bigots and the homophobes and the haters minded their business. Yep. And let the queers just jaunt along from morning. Truly from morning. 10 a.m. If you lining up for those fucking parades, your ass is out there. 9.30. It's, Thank you. it's an early like, commitment. And right. then you are there in yes. the sun, marching right. until like 4 baked, or 5 p.m. Right. You are baked the fuck out. You are dehydrated. You have spent yes. all of your vapors to invigorate the gays on the sidelines and their loved ones and people who are there. And then you have your little respite, get a little food. Maybe you pass out. But Maybe you take a nap. And then you get jaunting to the club and nightlife. I mean, I, I'm not ready to be outside, but it's the way that I feel like I need to see what 
this mayor's first pride is gonna look oh, like. Oh, with the cops, like, right? I'm not which excited. is no, 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 no. I know. I, I like. I just feel like there's going to be the cops already try to corral the gays. Right. And they get right. annoyed right. when the gays are too jaunty. All those bars. I'm like, I'm just trying to cross the street. No, I gotta go five blocks up to get to, to cross the, other side the street. Of the street. Right. And it's, it, so it's annoying. Annoying, indeed. So I just, I just feel like there's gonna be extra jaunt with with enforcement that's gonna take place and. It's already to the point where coordinators and organizers already are being told by especially queers of color that they do not feel protected or safe with the presence of law enforcement. Literally, we do not want the cops And it's been this whole back and forth with, but why? And I'm like, what y'all are Isn't it obvious? Thank you. Thank you. So it's like, yes. You know that one time those Midwestern gay boys tried to bash my friend that the cops were upset at us for defending ourselves. It's like you wasn't trying to involve yourself. Thank you. When they were being homophobic and yelling slurs and instigating violence, we respond with violence. And now, oh, now it's too much? Now it's too much. I see. I Uh, see. So it's not enough for us to hear all of these despicable things being told to us. Oh, but but there was also spit. There was spit and other things. And spit is assault in the state of New York. Once spit spit is assault in New York State. And 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 thankfully this character well, I shouldn't say character, but this this uh contestant on this reality TV show bore the name Are New you York. Talking about and Tiffany when, Pollard when spits flew when pumpkin spit when, on her and she went went immediately and, with the grab in because, one motion. Because you don't spit. That that's not something you do not not. No, know. it's not what you do. And in some cultures it's especially offensive uh, to have a loogie in your direction. And it can lead to immediate violence. Which it is. But like I feel like maybe I told the story in John and Jack or whatever, but two queer friends with me who are Argentinian and they're older queers. And you know, the history of Argentina, anyone who knows, like there was a lot of fascists that ended up over there. Yeah. After World War II. Right, right. It was hard as fuck to be a queer person, especially if you were one of those extravagant queers who like to dress up and wear a little prettily thing and you weren't confining to gender norms. Like it was violent out there for you and you really had to learn to defend yourself, to defend your life. And so those type of queers that I know, they don't stand for not even the slightest bit of homophobia or a potential gay bash. Like the switch turns on right away. And that's survival instinct as well. But then I also feel like that's the lesson for that head. That maybe, like you could, maybe nine out of 10 times, you say that slur, you touch somebody and it's fine or they don't do anything. But that 10th time might be the time you get rocked. Thank you. Right. Walk it like Walk them side your head. Walk it like you talk it like this. I does this. That's why I'm out here doing this. You having get your thought right now, you're not the first person to think it you're and not. for me to hear it. So just are you you're you're taking a gamble. Are you trying to be big in front of your friends? Because your friends are gonna want they're gonna post the world star video of you getting your ass beat. Like that's just what that's <laughs> gonna be. World star. Uh they may think to jump the in at first, on the attack. And then they see the three piece with the biscuit and they're gonna be like, you know what? I don't want none of that, but Pat-pat. you got it. Right. But you got it. You got it. Because not everybody got the the fight jaunt, and I respect that because that's not everybody's bad. But for those of us who it is, I think we have that jaunt because we like to defend. Well, right. Well, it's like, well, I didn't think it was that serious, but every word you said was a fighting word. I don't get it. I don't get it. You can't say that you weren't, you didn't know that things were escalating when you said inflammatory things. Like, like your goal was to get a rise out of me, and you did. You You got got it. Rise, and that's why you. That's why you taste and gravel right now. That that the rise led to your fall. Met the sidewalk. Thank you. So don't act like you don't know how you got here. Causation. Are you gonna do a record scratch? You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. (laughs) Probably wondering why my lip is split. And you probably still didn't even learn the lesson down there. You're just mad. You're down there and you're mad. Right, right. Hopefully. My bigotry didn't serve me in this situation. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Keep it to yourself. Right. Mind your business. That's really it. That's it. it. Nobody's telling you what to think. Just mind your business. Mind the business that serves you. That's all. That's all we're asking Mm. for. Ugh. 
But yeah, these are some jaunty times. To be a queer, to be a non-man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> to be a person mm. who is not cishet normative in this world right now is truly a lot. It's a lot, which is why I said the angst, if the you, energy if needs you need, to return. Right, if you need all of these rules to try to maintain a version of a superiority, if you can only feel tall because you have the rest of the world on their knees, then you, my cishet male, you have a very serious problem. Because if you take what's cis about you away, if you take what's head about you away, even if you take away your maleness, what what's left of you? What do you have? Sludge. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to live with sludge. that because you go to bed being sludge every night. You wake up being sludge every day. And then you have to see greatness that is in the world and none of it is attributed to your sludgeness. And I, I don't I don't see I don't get how y'all could do that. I mean, well, the hats are very concerned about how much gay is out there. And I'm like, if you think people could turn gay. What about all of us who have survived the heterosexual propaganda right. that says join the 89%, have a dead marriage, may your fashions be mid. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I saw the little mermaid, but, you know, I didn't turn into a mermaid. I mean, we have festivals, but it's not the same thing. Like, um, what? I've I've eaten apples. I've not been poisoned. No, but I, I'm not a witch. Um. I sang songs talking about kiss the girl. Um, it, it, those words be different Hex, things to me now. Propaganda right. was everywhere. Right. My and happily ever only, after. I only ever saw a milk. Like, sound of music. Actually. It's absolutely had propaganda. Although I do love sound of music. So whatever. But the Baroness Schrader was there. And a young child me was like, hmm, something about this <laughs> is working. Something about this pleases me. In a different way that Maria pleases me. Because Maria's over here singing. She being someone I want to babysit me <laughs> or over here like an auntie or something. But the Baroness right. is giving. Right. I'm not sure what she's giving. <laughs> I'm asking myself. And it was literally me as a child being like, but like, I understand why Maria's there. But the Baroness, like, how do you, how are you not checking for the, she just came in that dress. Huh? What? That was Sappho. Young Sappho Mills. <laughs> no, no, right? Because Eleanor Parker. He, he's like, I'm gonna Woo. pick you for the children. Wow. But but she wow. but she she's uh can't you pick them both? Like <laughs> I was just like, but look at her. It's just something mm. is going on with her, and I don't know why the captain can't see it. But Maria does have a beautiful voice. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mills. Wow, well, I was about to bring up it's the way that uh, up it has been until recently that we've seen a rise in uh I don't want to really just say roles for Mills, but actually representation, screen time, dialogue, action that calls for elder female actors in, in these bigger roles where we are not relegating them to like, um, we're not relegating them to the sidelines and we're not like erasing them from being able to earn any profits. Like, like it's, it's like, it took the rules to change to be like, you know what? Maybe we don't throw you away after you turn 35. It's, it's, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead because Kate Blanchett uh, literally was just complaining about directors not being able to see women over 40 as attractive straight up, let alone outside of the paradigm of sex. And so when I retweeted it and I was like, this is why we want more women directors and the era of the MILF is Kay Blanchett's at the top of her game. She's A-list. Mm. And if she's expressing that, it's because some motherfucker had the nerve to say it to her. Yep. But the way motherfuckers had the nerve, Frank Miller looking at you, to tell Charlize she was too old to play Furiosa Ooh. and she's still Charlize, Oscar winner, Charlize 
Charlize. Like, looking the way she does, Charlize. And y'all still said she was too old, not attractive enough to play Furiosa anymore. So that's the reality we're in, that the most basic, the type of man that looks like rotted cheese underneath your shoe will still have all of the audacity to tell someone like a Charlize or a Kate Blanchett, you're not pretty enough, though. You're not, you're past that age, though. Of desirability, though. Yeah, but the, the men, and that's who we cater to, the men, the boys, they want to see someone perpetually younger. And no, we're not going to interrogate why this is so fucked up within our society that even as we men age, we still lust after people so much younger than us. Our taste doesn't age. I feel like that's happened with me, where I'm like, here are my faves. They were this many years older than me when I was younger, and I still enjoy them and even right. more so than right. I did. Every single woman I thought, wow, she's pretty talented, is even more pretty, more beautiful and talented than she was when I was a fucking teenager. So I feel like I, psychologically, I feel like this is the right way that I should not be a grown bitch being like, oh my God, look at that 18-year-old girl. Like, I don't even know what that is, personally. I don't know what that jaunt is, personally. Thank you. I've not experienced it. I just, yeah, it's, it's not, I don't, children, I see children as children and 18 is certainly a child to me. At this point in time, and I don't think that a woman is at her peak attractiveness in her teenage years or her 20s or her 30s. I really do believe it's in the 40s. And then it keeps getting better. So that's just my personal opinion. That's what I've observed in life. I feel like that's my mother. That's so many people I've seen. That's one of my favorite actors. People like Jillian Anderson, Angelina Jolie, literally better with age. So that's my science. If men can't see it, it's because your science is fucked by the patriarchy and something else is going on. Seek help, seek therapy Ugh. and stop making movies. No, no <laughs> well, well, that's why I'm like more women directors. It's more women so then you guys can do your bullshit and I can still have someone over here doing shit I want to see. That's all. Equal opportunity. Like the 20s when bitches was making movies all the time no, before they right. stopped making movies. I miss, right. Not you saying I miss. <laughs> Not, no, you right. missed it entirely. I did. If only we could go back because the flapper age was a jaunty time. The way that I would go to Paris in the 20s Oh yeah, what? and be a slut. No, I just wanted to be clear. It would be thoughtery because there was way too much going on and way too many people living that I would totally pledge my total dedication and fealty to that I cannot pretend to profess to have some sort of, what's the word? Modesty. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Modesty. I guess virtue is a good word. I would have no virtue except to be a misandrist because there was some jaunty motherfuckers that I would seek out. Writers, performers, dancers, actresses. I'll just be out there. So <laughs> I'll be that concept of like a Band-Aid oh, no, and I um, almost famous, but just like for the jaunty hills of that time. <laughs> like, let me be a roadie. And if not a roadie, let not me Not be... a roadie, but also. <laughs> no. Like... I would just show up to bitch's door like, right. listen, I'm just here to do whatever you need. Okay. Who are you? It doesn't. It doesn't you matter. Need me to be. Right. The Whoever goal you is need for me you to be. Right. Yo. The goal is for you to have a smile on your face. That's the goal. So tell me. Right. Tell me. What is your command? What like is... wherever Josephine Baker was, that's mm. where a bitch like me would be. I'd be like, where are you in the hose? Where y'all at? Um. She could be like, I need a cigarette here. Right. <laughs> I'm like um, old girl in The Handmaiden where she was about to cross the rocks and she kind of, she was like, hold on, let me get this. Let me create the steps for you with this suitcase. Let me lay this down so your feet don't even have to touch the dirt. There you go. What do the kids call it? Simping? I'm just saying, well, right. I know that there are women in history that are no longer with us that if by some happenstance that Candace ended up in the past for a moment, it's a wrap. I don't even know what kind of person I would be. I just know that, again, the virtue <laughs> would be, the modesty would be gone. The reluctance, not existent. And I'm fine admitting that. I'm fine being honest. I, I could just imagine the the half blurb articles of people wondering if you're some sort of like war criminal or spy. Wait a minute. But, not like, me getting into papers. Well, I, I mean, would hope I'm being a little safer than that. No, no, safe, yes. Because if but, I'm time traveling, no, talk about butterflies. No, no, Bob's talking about like, because of the different persons you'd be in cahoots with, they would be thinking, are they exchanging like information to nations? I mean, these were the times that fascism was on the rise. So perhaps somebody would 
we know they was keeping an eye on certain groups. I hope I won't end up in the papers. I hope not. Or, or at least you'd have some a dossier that that wasn't public. Like somebody, there would be a file somewhere where someone just looking to see what's happening and if you had something to do with it. Facts. So, well, enough banter about time traveling to the 20s. Well, there's a number of places I could go and have a great time, honestly. I thought about the 70s, but then I'm like, I don't want to run into my mama in Studio 54. Okay. <laughs> the way she Right. I have a twin. Right, right. I bet this girl, she looked exactly like me. Mm-mm. But at the same time, I'm like, the way y'all gays was having fun in the 70s, unmatched. That time period remains unmatched. Where back when things were were less tainted, where where things were pure. Well, it was still a fairy tale in the sense that you, less you didn't think things could hurt you. Right. You thought sex could just be had. Right. And the, the science wasn't out there. They're like, boys and, and gals and friends and pals. Right. Um, they said love mm. is free. Go and experience how free love can be. And, <laughs> and people did. And people did. They said yes. Parties where you out here just letting it all fly. And the sad thing is people can't let it all fly like that right now just because it would be irresponsible. Yeah. Now you gotta you gotta like set shit up. You gotta be like well who's the list of who all's gonna be at this party. <laughs> Everyone go and get your tests, get your things, get your bills, get your certifications. Present them to the people. Okay. Um, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I am safe to go on the party. And even then I feel you inspection like a magnet fine glass like come on pull up mm, mm-hmm. that's looking sketch i sure we see you get out oh wow it's the way i knew exactly what you knew you what meant? i was referencing yeah. wow yep. Yep. whoa i know wow i'm i'm fucking weird i don't know how we got to caligula but i'm just saying that the 70s were a jaunty time and a lot of fun things came out of the 70s oh man those parties including you put pride. your those keys in the fishbowl and you, like your swang with somebody else oh you just take yeah you just take somebody key <laughs> right oh this is this is where i'm sleeping tonight who's... yo that's the <laughs> that's the shit that was about like partying with ogs when i was first started going to the clubs and the bars and whatever and was talking to a lot of people just actually having authentic conversations like 40 45 50 plus queers and the shit that they would say the stories i was like i can't party like y'all old heads like i thought i was doing something but you old heads damn wow are you writing a book oh it's because you can't ever tell those things out loud okay <laughs> all right all right but yeah the partier in me is like wow now that would have been a great time to go to which is why i choose the 20s great parties and the 70s great parties. always in times of great strife too in a certain kind of sense like well except for right now <laughs> Yeah, except right now. Unless somebody's got some speakeasy that they're not talking about and they keeping this a real good secret. I mean, I'm happy That's for the y'all. Idea. That's the but, idea. Right. The best parties were always a secret, which is why social media has messed up the game. Now, I'm not in the business of throwing parties and neither is anyone I know who was once in the business of throwing parties or just like, you know, in that vibe, in that scene. But it's a secret. And no, part right. of the investment into the party is keeping it a secret. Thank you. What's yeah. that song? A secret. Let me keep it. No, right. It's like that. Yeah, even if you... Don't tell nobody. Right, if you need to change the location at the very last minute, right, to keep certain... Nobody standing outside. Feelers off your tail, right. Because people standing outside, smoking and doing whatever. Thank you. Attracts the popo and other people. Someone came and they gave the password, but they didn't look like they should have had it to begin with. They're not um, getting new, the password, right? New if password, you don't know somebody right. in there, you're not getting in there. Right, right, right. Not getting in. You made me think of the beginning of If by Janet Jackson, and I'm just like, these kind of parties. Where are these parties? That's where I in need to be. In your dreams. Right, no, right. You are correct. In my dreams, because the way that that first dude was trying to hustle his way in and couldn't because he didn't know what to do. Right. Damn it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I get in? He just knew they was having a good time in there. And sorry, sorry for him. Sorry to that man. Sorry, sorry. for that <laughs> man. Right. That girl came up, she was like, if. <laughs> Went right in. I was like, mm, yeah, all right. I see y'all. I see y'all. Ah, oh, the days of a good jaunty, jaunty. 
Well, maybe some some celeb got NDAs that they make people sign. Maybe they're having the joint parties. Oh, whatever. We already know celebs got to go to where the real partiers go to have a good Actually, time. Actually, right. That's how you if might randomly right, no, meet no, no, one. No, no, That's right, how it happens. Right. You had a joint ass party and you're like, who's that? Oh. Oh, right. Hey. Right. Mm-hmm. What's up? You enjoy yep. the vibes? Me too. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Anyway, excuse me. I'm going to hit right, right, right. Thank you. I got to go back I to got what places, I was doing. Right. I the got stage to calls me. Right. I was making out. I have an appointment in the bathroom. Thank you. Right. It, it was good right into you. I mean, have hope, fun. Right. Hope Do you. you have a good time. Right. But I got to go. Right. I was, right. Right. I'm being called. Right. I'm being pulled away. Mm-hmm. But that, those are those New York vibes, too. Where you don't give a fuck. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, you're here. You oh, well, into. I mean, but I'm, I got to go. But I got to go over Have fun. I'm, I'm, see you. Right. I got my things to do. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the way I just had about 18 memories in my head and I was like Lord have mercy oh that's my song I gotta go right right, right. right. whatever it is like I, no I need to be over there I you gotta. surely believe <laughs> a famous motherfucker in a conversation cause your hit comes on and you're like excuse me right. the it's stage not, right thank you if, mm, exactly mm, the mm, stage mm, and if not the stage mm, the mm, cage mm. it's right. one of those and if y'all so didn't know the me, stage, th- the cage. Right. If y'all Facts. didn't know me during my cage era, I mean, I, I can't. I don't know no what one, to make it. Well, make actually, s- someone listening to this might have. I think your cage actually era. they might, but Mo- I mean, motherfuckers well, who know us listen to this. Once now, upon a time, ahead. during certain party eras, there there was there was a moment. There was a slither of a moment where certain partiers got to dance and perform inside these spaces where they could just be themselves and not have people up in they they stuff. Which is why you're in a cage. Right, right. Because I'm here to dance and mm. I'm going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And you could watch, but you could also not. So, man. Watching is fun and being in the cage is fun. Yes. It's all yes. good. Especially when you got some great lighting going on and it's just set in the decor. I was thinking back to some jaunty cage situations I saw and they were always fantastic. Are the cages gone? No, I, still I just, gotta I, I, I gotta find a, a cage that's in use somewhere. I, I need to see it to be like, oh man, I, I won't, I won't, I don't need to be in it. I just want to see it. You don't need to be in a cage. Well, we'll see how the night goes. <laughs> like I've seen platforms uh, materialize out of thin air, and someone's just pushing it through to then stand on it to then de- angle their own light to then start dancing, whatever. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? The vision, I respect it. Uh, yes, go ahead. Manifest I had this. a roommate years ago, and this was probably one of my best forays that was like, fucking student loans got him all of a sudden. He wasn't doing right. He was like, oh, no, I got to make more money, even though he had a good job. And see, so he was like, go, go dancing. Yep. And so it was a very jaunty period of supporting thine friend because you out here go-going. I'm a beater. But then like, what are we doing in these clubs? Oh, look at these cages. Oh, look at these skills and you can maybe get some some pole skills of yourself which i think is good to just have in the bag just right, in the repertoire right. you never know it's good for arm strength and like balancing but also just to be able to pull out your bag of tricks you never I, know I, right I when you need know. a trick is it is it like never riding know. a bike does it all just come back to you yes you, right <laughs> wow. yes well wow. i can attest well well Carney. The pole, the pole yeah. is autistic. It's all some Cirque du Soleil shit, mm-hmm. honestly. With some motherfuckers. Very, very, very beautiful to watch. But yes, not us walking down this memory lane. Right, of, of jauntier, wonderful times and parties and ways in which people, back when outside really was outside. Like, when right. I say I miss outside. We outside. I'm talking about this outside. This outside, which I I, I shan't see again. I don't, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, un- I unless will, there's but not a... without anxiety, and that's right. the fucked up part. Like, who right. wants to be in a group of people with anxiety? Like, the idea is the opposite. And as long as all these variants and poxes are raging around, a bitch would have anxiety if somebody rub up on me. Like, oh no, no. And normally, I like to be in the fray. No, let's yeah. be tight. Let's be squashed. Let's all feel the vibes. Sorry, host Panini Candace is like the way that you need to get your wet skin. Thank off you. of my wet skin, all right? I don't Thank like it. You. I don't want it. 
In fact, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm out of here. And the way everybody's outside, because we got a piece of heat today. And I said, oh, naturally. Right. Everyone's outside. 85 million parties. The oomph, oomph has been going the entire time we've been recording. It's a wonder if it cannot be heard because the bass is deep. Like, Yay I'm, to these mics because, my goodness. Uh, is someone going to bring back like the dry ice machine and then just like have the... The clouds shushing in, but then also that's, you might as well bring the suds back, right? The suds, some maybe some sanitizer. Now, I don't solution. think they do that anymore, especially now in the Rona era. You sanitize. Can't just, you can't fill a club with suds and be like, just motherfuckers bathe, just swim, <laughs> because that's what it was no, in the club. Right, they would right. release the suds, and right. just a bunch of people wet right. in the suds, yep. acting a fool, shenanigans. Yes. And the best photos. And that's what you showed me. That's what you showed me where they got oh, old right. club photos. Uh-huh. I said, the way a bitch never needs to be in that photo. Thank you. That's the way why, a bitch look, never needs to be. That's why I'm following the account with my notifications right. on just to be, be like, no, no, no. No, they, they, they moved out of the UK. They're not in the UK anymore. They're doing old US photos. And then I'm, yeah, that's going to be if right. It's New York. Lord. You know what? Some things are better left. Right. Thank you. For that, the memories of the people who were there. Right, because that poor dude who they zoomed in, I was like, is he, is he doing cocaine? And I was like, oh my God. He didn't ask for that. <laughs> he did he not. was like, I didn't need to be exposed right. like this. I'm, that was five years ago. Right, right, right. He was like, I'm I'm, I'm in a different place now. Right, right. I'm in a PTA. <laughs> <laughs> what if they find this photo? Uh, no! I'm the assistant to the prime minister. Like, like, right. It's right. Now, the only ones that I truly, I'm not even going to say the magazine. I was about to say it. But I'm like, the way somebody could potentially sleuth that out, I'll just say it was a magazine party. It's a very jaunty magazine party in which naturally they were plying everyone with alcohol who was there. And it was very delicious alcohol. And Terrence, the photos that I am positive exist, sir, right. exist because not only did they say, boom, here's this sign. You went to this industry party, you are consenting to be photographed. Oh, wow. And then we're going to apply you with, with booze, right? That's, that was, that was a part of it, right? Yeah. To get the candids. And mm. candids they got, all right? Mm. In the red light special. Because they no. had all mm-hmm. red lights and these special mm-hmm. boofy things. It was one of those fucking places in Soho. I just know what I did in some moments, okay? Of print media. Like, you had your time. <laughs> you were, you had your time. It's over now. They used to be it's stores the that time they is over. only sold... Those, those rags. Books. They sold magazines. Right. That's all they did. It was no, a magazine no store. You can't imagine that Let's now. It's all digital. On. Right. We don't have to say it. Let things stay buried. I mean, <laughs> our generation is <laughs> no, not I the just one. Feel like it's not like you can't. We're we're not the ones on our moral platitudes saying that things should not be. Because I don't need anybody going. Well, why are you talking when this exists? Like, I don't, oh, right. I, I don't, this you. This you. Right. I don't need nobody to this you. Me. Listen. Barely clothed. I've, t- I've took chances. Barely clothed. I've, I've made mistakes in a compromising position. Right. I've gotten Position. messy. So Position. far be it from me to tell anybody how to live their life. Exactly. That's not me. Yeah, so hopefully none of those groceries come out for us. I, I pray and I beg. Right. Well, that was an excellent time. It's just that let me keep that in my brain. You know what I'm saying? Let me keep it here for something to regale someone. Right, with. right. Versus them looking at the photos like, Candace? <laughs> like that one time photos made it to my mama, the people in California. Anyway, she was like, Candace, this you? Yes, mother. It's me. <laughs> it's me! It's me. I'd be like, wow, what a likeness. It's the way. Not I, you I... saying it's your doppelganger. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, no, my mom. She's like that nose, eh, those cheeks. Mm, I know mm, my child, my mm. first bone. <sighs> so I can't get away with those lies. That's, besides, my mom has been new that I was jaunty. Like I said, I was the one that was always like, I went to the club, young. I went dancing, went to the rave, and I did not return always within a prudent time. Terrence. And so my mm. mom's knowledge of this it predates my adulthood. Well, I mean, but it's weird, and I'm still kind of weird about it. I shouldn't say now, but I used to be where it's like, yes, I do have a key, and yes, I can get home whenever, but it's better to be getting home 
when people are on the verge of waking up or that's, that's on the verge that of somebody going to, went sleep. to sleep. Right, right, right. But right. my mom wouldn't sleep okay. until I returned. And then just be stressed out and be like, why are you doing this? Mm. I'm like, we can feel the beat within my heart. We can feel the success <laughs> with the dog. Can you feel the beat? Right, right, right. My mom's like, the way you need to not feel the beat. And I'm like, but hold up. Who was the dancer, though? Hold on. Wow. Hold on. Wait a minute. You? artist mm. currently mm. with the musician help me understand but yeah it's not my fault I'm like if I feel the beat it's because of you it's genetic anyway Ooh. Studio 54 I learned anyway. it from you mom <laughs> I'm learning from watching you well at least we got some endorphins from this jaunty ridiculous tangent that is being included because you guys said hey, include the tangents include the chaos fine here you are you're like what was that 30 minutes on gay nonsense gay shenanigans of the past yes yes it was to try to get a piece of happy feeling before we return to Killing Eve. The end of Killing Eve. The degradation of Killing Eve. The homophobia of Laura Neal. Uh, right. Ooh. And the bullshit. That was episode seven. And eight. Uh, it's the way, man. It's the way we all demand satisfaction. Like, who's got the glove? Do they still do it with the glove? Is that a thing? When they go and they, they just cross somebody. With, no, do you drop the glove and no, they have to pick it up? Dueling at dawn. Whatever that is, that's... Oh, dueling at dawn. <laughs> I still would like to duel, Laura. So, I think we finally got to talk about episode seven. Episode seven. Making dead things look nice. In which we see a lot of things go down mm -hmm. between Villanelle and Gon. And we see some things go down between Eve and Foe. And then things go down at the end. Oh, they go down. Between Eve and Gon. And none of these things... Were things that I predicted in a certain kind of way, but then I also predicted in a different kind of way. No, but yeah. the way that description rekindles a relationship with God. Right. What the fuck was Where that? was that? Where was it? Where was it? It was lies. It was lies. Rekindle. From an off-screen attacker? It was lies. Rekindle? That's not the adjective. That's not the descriptor that you would put for that meetup. I don't, I don't. It's the way I anticipated something completely different. It's the way I never got Alain talking to Villanelle, the way Villanelle spoke to Miko. Oh, you didn't know? She came over to my place. No, right. She got in my tub after she took her clothes off and we bathed together. Oh, she didn't tell you? And then afterwards, we cuddled up on the couch, watched some TV. Mm -hmm. For hours. We, we binged. I had snacks. She was wearing my socks. Right. I don't know. The way that I probably would have because shot he, right. through the roof like the cartoons. Oh, just from excitement of that type of gay mess with the promise of like danger. Because it's literally the mess you love of stuff like the L word. Just, you know, I was about to say queer focused fiction. <laughs> Where do they do that at outside of the L word? I don't know. It's rare. A Sandra Napero? I don't fucking know. But yeah, we don't get that. That's like part of what I loved about Xena is that like it's sapphic drama with a component of danger, a component of edge. Mm. Uh, someone could lose their life. Well, that's what makes it an epic. That's what makes fantasies what they are. It's like for fate, for destiny, for some grand concept of loyalty or whatever it is. Okay. But it's a bigger concept than just like that girl from around the way that I like or have had past sexual relations with versus a Kalisto. Oh, that's a girl I battled with. We mm -hmm. shared deep things like some old guard shit. Like we have shared centuries potentially of stuff. And now this other component is here. And so when you have a Killing Eve, that's part of what made the sapphic drama so much fun is the merger, is the extra heightened thing that was here. And so how do you have Elaine on her murder jaunt? She was scary until she was 
dead. But in a certain way, we were hoping and thinking that she has some fucking skills and not have her in that same way that she pushed up on Villanelle with all that confidence in series three when she first appears and not have her exude that same confidence with Villanelle again, but on a different slant because as we see when she picks Villanelle out of the jail, she's like, okay, so this doesn't work with you. Flattery doesn't work. Lying to you about shit doesn't work. Money is not working anymore. So let me come at you different. Why wouldn't Elaine come at her, especially if she wasn't afraid of Villanelle? But doesn't look like she was afraid of Villanelle and taunt that bitch about being with her girl. Right. The I mean, I was convinced that that's right. why she was doing it. So she could say something to Villanelle to get her off guard, which would have definitely resulted in her death. Either way, but the way I would have enjoyed it. No, yeah. But instead it was just Because I still love jealous Villanelle. Right. It was just, oh, look at how she got back at Eve Palastri. Really? But there's so many... There was that nor that nugget you had. It was so rich with so many different versions and means to manipulate things into your favor. And I... I, I Right. I mean, they kind of did it with the way Ellen goes down, but not really because, I mean, I do love that scene. It's one of my top kills for sure. I'm lost as to whether or not it's one. Um, and I think there are emotional beats that aren't necessarily there. And that's probably because of how series four was written. That keeps it from being my top kill over Raymond because mm. just emotionally where the characters were and how it was conveyed in tandem with that kill still feels emotionally superior to the intense emotions of the Ellen kill. I'm sure I'll continue to marinate on it and see how I feel. I may end up going back and forth, but that's where I'm at right now. That there wasn't enough emotional stuff hitting for me in the way that I would have preferred it to hit because they were keeping it away or they're still at odds or whatever. I mean, the scene was glorious. It certainly was glorious to see Ellen go down in that fashion um, with the murder mount, but it didn't hit in the same way that Raymond's hit because of how Emerald made sure to build up all this tension between them and okay, this tension is actually paying off. Look at the bug sets. Try the bread. Mm -hmm. After all this fucking shit, then when you get to Raymond, you're like, this is a, like, we're ready to explode. Villanelle's ready to explode with all kinds of things. Her love, her horniness, everything. She can't barely hold it together and Eve can barely hold it together and then it culminates in Raymond. But that's not what happened with Elaine. The pacing is not as good. The writing is not as strong. But that moment is very strong because of Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh and how they play it despite apparently yes. what Laura and the directors wanted they played it the way they played it it was erotic it was dark it was intense it was vulnerable it was a lot of things and none of those things were words so it was just their acting which is why I don't give any credit to Laura for it well if y'all motherfuckers end up hearing some oos oos or some vibrations in this recording we tried the way right. people are doing way too much to an in every right. corner and it's of Brooklyn right now. And we're past the twilight. We are. We are. And motherfuckers are still out there doing the most. So, all right. Literally above us, below us, to the sides of us, right. across the street. Right. They said a piece of warmth. We are outside. We are outside. All right. So this motherfucking episode starts on Gon's Island. I believe that is the first title card we get. And we see a man on a boat. And he looks like he's having a cup of joe and some breakfast. And we cut back to Villanelle who's waking up in a pile of fucking hay. And I'm like, this how gun got you? And some hay, girl? All right. And there's a goat there who's also chilling. And the goat seems to be looking at Villanelle like, this is my space, hoe. Why is you here? Who invited you? Mm-hmm. And we cut back to the man who's reading something, or whatever. And then back to Villanelle, who I think is roaming Gun's compound, just looking around. And while she's looking inside her cabin, we see the man hear something while he's on the boat. And he's in the water. He's been grabbed <laughs> by somebody. We assume that is Gun because Villanelle then sees Gun coming on up, dragging this man behind her who is very bloody. He does not look like he's in a state of aliveness. And if he is still alive, he won't be for very much longer. No, he won't. And Gun goes inside to get her butcher murder toolkit. Villanelle follows her, I guess, to look and see what to go on. <laughs> what do you do at the beginning of the day? Gun welcomes her in and she's kneeling by the body and she's like, this man has 
has been killing my damn fish and trespassing on my shores. Which, you know, I don't even know if I'm fucking with gun, but I am fucking with certain things about gun. And I do like that she's like, you cross my moat, you come to my lands, uh-huh. and you die. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit endless stuff. And in another universe, I might have said, Villanelle, you could pledge your fealty, but not this one. And so Villanelle asks her what she's going to do about it. And Gunn says very plainly, fillet him. That's what I'm going to do. And Villanelle, I think she smiles. And then Gunn gets to work and it's pretty fucking gross. Oh, it is. She fillets. She starts pulling stuff out. It's like, oh, wow. Then she says she's going on a hunt. And she's done pulling stuff out of this man. And Villanelle says that she's going to go with her. And she kind of like skips off. She's very gleeful about it. Mm. I guess she was impressed by the <laughs> gutting or whatever. Yeah, it's, I guess it must feel differently to see someone else doing something. Like, mm, it's like, um, wow, well, I shouldn't use that example. But it's it's sort of like, yeah, feeling, I don't know. It's like how I'd imagine artists that commune would be like, where it's like you're seeing someone in their element doing their thing where they're doing creative things. And it's someone you respect. You respect what they're creating. Oh, wow. You think she respects gun? I don't know. She respects gun, but she might respect the art of the filet. I do agree with that. And they're, I think they're just trying to kill of, each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why she's like, oh, a hunt? Yeah, I'm coming. Because me, I would imagine as if I were there on Guns Island as a guest, question mark, and then I was told by the person whose island it is that they're going on a hunt, I too would want to be with them so that I'm not in the crosshairs. Just, <laughs> it's just something I, I would do. I don't know about anybody else, but but for that reason, I, I would, no, I'm coming. I'm going to be there with you. I think Villanelle goes because she just wants to be murder messy, but being out of the crosshairs works too. I just don't know what that way Villanelle carries on at the end of the episode that she ever gave a damn about being in a gun's crosshairs. She literally, she's laughing oh, while no, she's running yeah. away from guns. So I don't know that she takes a bit seriously. But yeah, after we see Gun and Villanelle skip off to go hunt, we see Eve walking down a block and she's wearing a suit and it looks like she has a fucking job. Mm-hmm. She looks good. I was looking at the scene like, what the fuck is happening? What is this? What are you suggesting? And we see her grab some bags. Eventually, some shopping bags from a lady who looks expensive, like she has expensive taste. And she follows her into a car and we're like, oh, this is her job. This is her working. All season, we've not seen it. <laughs> we finally see it in episode seven. Yeah. And of course, after that, we get a title card. But it's the way I thought that because, you know, America, uh, that I thought I was like, is Eve driving? Like, what is going on? But no, that side of the vehicle is not the driver's side. So, yeah, my groceries. But. <laughs> That'll come back around next episode, but we're not there yet. Uh, after the title card, we get Eve. She's back at her hotel. Of course, she's not alone because why would we have Eve alone? She's complaining because she's like, you know, how about you not have me on detail? Because that's not my judge. She definitely prefers logistics and she says as much. And the rebuff that she gets from foe is that, well, the client requested a woman. But the thing and- <laughs> I take issue with here is that I'm like, so is this now implying that foe is your boss? That he is the one who hired you or he has the domain over you he decides what your schedule does and what you do highly unethical for a superior co-worker to have these kinds of relations especially mm. for a security firm but nothing makes sense in laura's world so I, that that's what stuck out to me i'm like so he's your boss because why else are you going to him about why you're scheduled here and what you prefer to do unless he has the control to do it which would mean he's your superior and there's so many reasons why i need to reject that being the you boss. can't reject right. it because uh, it's in the script no, so I, no. i'm just 
we're here to tell the truth about the script, not fantasies and projections. They implied with these lines that Faux was a bitch boss. And Faux yeah. decides where she can go on schedule. And he couldn't help her out this time because, well, the client preferred a woman. Okay, whatever. Eve is sitting on the bed looking sullen. And Faux eventually notices and tries to continue the conversation with some banter and lets her know that Ellen's phone has been unlocked. Eve goes to take that phone. But then Faux was like, oh, you don't need this, you know. Completed the mission, Eve. You did what you needed to do. And she pauses and eventually puts the phone in her nightstand. And she starts talking to Faux about, well, now that Alain is dead, now what? What do I do? And he says that she has to find a new ordinary, which I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess, Faux, no one's asking for your advice, but I guess technically Eve is asking for advice. And then he asks her, what's the last legal thing you did that was also fun? And I feel like, no, Eve says she can't remember. And he says something about putting the F in fun. It was very corny. It's not enjoyable. Eve tells him, I believe, that it was terrible, what he said. They try to be cute, or he tries to be cute. I don't know. Propaganda. But I guess Eve is at rock bottom, and she's looking for some motivation, and he's talking about them going to karaoke. That's what I ascertained from that scene, and tells her to change into something sparkly, something pretty. Which is funny, because when we see her in the karaoke, she's neither in something sparkly or like fancy. The way she ignored his request. She's like, I'm not here for your gaze, my dear. Right. You're just even lucky I'm here. Uh, Did we get a quick shot uh, back on Guns Island? To be deep. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think they would have went on the boat out on a hunt. I feel like they would have just went on. They walked in the forest, right? They're literally in the forest, right? And you know, Villanelle's. You know, she wants to know how long they're gonna be out there. She's like, "Hmm, hmm." excuse me, I don't even know how you go past her picking up the fucking turd. Like, are you fucking kidding me? She literally picks up a piece of shit like she's fucking Laura during a Jurassic Park. And then she says stuff. She says it's still warm, indicating that her prey, whatever she's searching for, is nearby. And Villanelle gets a look on her face like, wow, ew, this is what we're doing. And then she asks, how long is this going to take? Because I didn't know we were going to be fondling dookies on the way to hunt. <laughs> Lord Dern Jr. Then Gunn is like, I don't know. It could take 10 minutes. It could take 10 fucking hours. Okay, bitch. Anyway, I'm going that way. And then uh, she heads off in a direction and we fucking hear Cheryl Lynn's Got to Be Real. Mm-hmm. And the way they spliced that song was very strange to me because it was playing while we were still on Villanelle and Gun, And I was mm-hmm. like, what's happening? What is this soundtrack? And then, oh... It's Eve. Right. She's at karaoke. Very weird transition to me, personally, honestly. Didn't yeah. like it. Didn't like it. And after Villanelle and Gunn literally spend some steps walking into the forest, that's when we see Eve. It doesn't make any sense. Why did we use the transition? Got to be real. It just... And it's the two it's of them with weird. microphones. And Eve is like... Because she's like, this is the dance version. This is not the radio edit. It's the, corny the end, blue light. Right. The end, it goes on forever. I'm done. And so I guess there's some penalty to not finishing a song all the way at the end that magically was a rule who knows and so now she's forced to sing her own song and he puts the numbers in and she goes of course to get her little drink on because she's trying to be down she's trying to sit she's trying to relax he's like nope this is I know she's trying to drink Bitch right. was not trying to relax. It's Eve Palacio. She's trying to get faded. And she was already halfway there. Because by the time we get into the karaoke, it's like, girl, how many drinks have we had? We have definitely lapped foe probably five or six times. And you were trying to get some more drink before you had to perform Chandelier. By Sia, which is put on for her. Just singing mm-hmm. a goddamn solo. And she makes a joke about tequila. And she certainly has had a lot of it, if I had to guess. And she starts singing. And it's initially cute. And then once we get into the chorus of the song, OMG, it's a flashback. We are flashing back to a time when Elena 
Nico mm-hmm. and Bill were still in life. I initially thought it was a hallucination of hers, which is also deeply tragic to me. But it has since been confirmed by Sandra O oh in interviews that it was apparently her idea to have this scene because they wanted the karaoke. She was like, but why? And I'm sure it was dot, dot, dot. And so she alerted them to the fact that Phoebe Waller-Bridge initially had a different intro to Killing Eve that involved a karaoke scene that they shot. She knew the footage was there. She was like, how about we do a juxtaposition of the Eve we began with and the Eve right now? So, so once again, apparently, <laughs> a poignant moment, one of the few poignant moments in the show had nothing to do with the writers and everything to do with the thespians trying to make it make sense. Well, yep. thanks for the alternate intro, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. You somehow have helped add to one of the best ideas Actually, in series four because the way they were one, doing nothing sense, poignant right. for Eve. Right. I'd have been like, but why? Why are we here? Why are we doing this? But. So yes, another poignant thing that writers aren't responsible for. And Nico and Bill and Elena are all there watching her and singing along with their drinks. Scenes from a life long lost, long gone, when she was employable and she still had a house. And her husband, and then the music starts to fade and it distorts and eventually she stops singing and she's kind of talking a little bit and maybe rambling before she gets lost completely in her thoughts and then being gone. And then she's like, fuck it, forget this. I don't want to do it. And she flees. She flees the room. Foe's like, where are you going? She goes off into the red light of the hallway, mm-hmm. which I guess somebody was trying to do something artistic there. Contrasting from the blue to the red, Walk On by Unloved is playing. And those lyrics are probably very apropos for what Eve was going through in this scene. Yeah, we've heard this song many times. I once had a love or did a love have me? It set me free. It set me free. I once had a lover or did a lover have me? It set me free. It set me free. I heard of love or did it hear of me? It came a looking for someone to give the golden key to the shadows like me. What was I to do? I told him I'd be true. I was lost, but now I'm love bound. And so those are the lyrics of that unloved song that is playing while Eve is awash in red color, which is an action color. It's a color that can depict passion, vitality, danger, impulse, energy, overstimulation. All things we can maybe put to Eve, maybe a bit of anger, just an emotionally intense color overall. Red is, and so I like that they did that because it did suit. The contrast from the cool blue to the hot red, especially because what follows that is her ultimately realizing who she wants in her life, who she wants to be with, and that is Villanelle. After she talks to Martin, but here's me giving my little peanuts to the red and the blue. It was probably Sandra's idea. She hasn't confirmed, but I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if she was like, let's do the red and the blue cinematically because it'll look good. I'm happy you had those unloved lyrics. I was thinking of the chandelier lyrics myself, and I'm like, because this, this character in this vehicle of a song is has been going through things and so it's like wow and you also a a woman who has been going through things singing a song about a woman who's going through things like maybe you put two and two together while you were singing and stopped and so yeah oof Uh, so we already know that foe has chased eve palastri out he is doing his very best his darndest his absolute darndest to try to get eve to see a warmer or brighter side some version of a point to any of it all of it to have her feel like none of it was a mistake because there's a way to spiral down with those kinds of thoughts and he should know as he's had to deal with his uh let's call them former battle buddies or people who have returned from the same tour he did but then they also continued to dwindle in numbers because they just they couldn't find the motivations to, you know, remain alive. But, you know, he tells her that, you know, she has to find the parts of her life that she can bear and just live from I'm there. I'm sorry. You glossed over Eve's insult, and I simply can't. I can't deal with a faux Dr. Phil and his bad advice because 
Oh, no, you're saying you're it right. like it has credence and no, no, it doesn't. No, no, I got you. Go and not to Eve and not to life. When he follows her out there, it's like Eve is trying to get breath. She's suffocating and Foe is definitely part of that thing that's suffocating her. But he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, mm, it's all a mistake. And I feel like the like we can in, we can infer what she means. Oh, doing this, sending Bill no jail, going over here, not doing this, whatever. But she's definitely like, something's not right because I'm not feeling right. And so something, I made a mistake somewhere because why do I feel this jiggered? And he tries mm. to say some empty shit about, Oh, it's not a mistake. Not to torture yourself. That it's going to get easier. And I do think that that is a bit condescending or uh, it's a presumption to make that someone is going to get over something, that it is going to get easier. That is an optimistic thought. That's something you can hope for someone. But there's no guarantee. Motherfuckers are going to get right. over or through something. And that's when she responds like, oh, with some protein shakes? Is that how I'm going to get through it? With protein shakes and lifting weights. And you could tell his feelings are hurt. He's like, oh my God. Wow. This is the meanest thing you said. And it's like, Foe, you need to call Nico if you want to find out how mean a bitch can actually be to you. And that's when he takes a moment, a little beat, to talk about his bullshit that we definitely didn't need to know. About, I was over and I was serving in my last hall with my friends and my buddies and there's seven of us and only three came back. And it's like, no one cares, Foe. Eve certainly doesn't care, bro. And also, do you know how many people serve? Do you know how many people are over there and they lose someone that they care about? Like, my brother amongst people. A lot of people I know that's serving and like, oh, I was traumatized. Foe, this is not, like, Eve, not only is she having some sort of cataclysmic, like, breakdown that involves the soul, the very essence of who she is. This analogy to war times has no application to what Eve is, what's happening with her. And if you claim to know stuff, because apparently you know about Raymond, because the only way that we know that is because the Raymond mentioned, the only Raymond we've got, the mention we've gotten from the show is through your lips. And you know this about Eve, but you out here, well, when I was on my tour, my last tour and I lost some buddies. This is not, what are you talking to a cop? You talking to a regular MI6 agent? You talking to someone who's trying to cope with their partner who was shot? No, this is Eve Palastri who has invited death into her life at every single fucking turn. She She's has. invited chaos and mess at every single turn. And for some reason, your bitch ass couldn't see it. He didn't want to see it. He was so distracted by her face. And her body, you were like, no, I just want to be able to be with Eve Palacio, so I'm going to ignore all these red fucking flags that say something else is going on here. So that's why I say fuck foe, because Eve was kind of like fuck foe. And then he says a little, oh, moving on is difficult, yeah. But it's a choice. And I also disagree with that. I think that it's a, a very presumptive statement. Like, it's that people can just move past things always. And I think that is a sad aspect of life, that sometimes things do break people. And that's okay, because not all stories end the same way, and they don't have to end the same way. And so while some people can find the strength to go on, or to do this or do that or to start something new or be with somebody else or whatever the case may be for whatever the nuance is, some people simply don't. Some people have actually died of a broken heart. Proven fact. Uh, My mom knows an older yeah. lady that I really do believe that of a broken heart as that related to her daughter and what wasn't happening in her relationship there. And so I'm just like, eh, eh. Like when people are having a breakdown, sometimes the last thing you need to hear is someone saying, but it will get better. Sometimes you just need people to let you sit in your shit and be like, yeah, you know what? This is fucked. What do you need? How can I help you? I if I want your anecdotes and your advice, I might ask, what do you think I should do? Versus you thinking you have the fucking answer. Like I said, like you fucking Dr. Phil, you a Jan LaVenzet trying to help me fix my life. No, 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 no. When your life ain't fixed, folks, please. Aren't you living in a... Anyway, and so I just can't, I can't deal with his pretension. He wants her to move on. She can't move on. And Eve says she can't fucking move on. Because she's like, well, what if I can't? And he's like, well, I guess I thought I could help you, but I realize I can't help you. I got to move on. And I have to just point out, this is horrible. Fuck. For foe. But the way foe has been a piece of shit character the whole time. Hey, leave like you came in. Oh, Trash. Right. 
Right. Flat, superficial, giving nothing. Because literally, this Eve Palastri was here the entire time. The Eve Palastri that should have been able to move on from any stage, any stage of the episode, and Eve Palastri could walk away to save her life. Doesn't have to make the choices she does. And here you are. Here's more info. Here's this. Here's this for a one-night session, a 20-minute session while you leave me in bed. Come on. And now, because she made fun of your protein shakes, you're like, oh, who are you? Who is this woman? I can't deal with it. I thought I could help you, but I can't help you, Eve. You should have known you could help that bitch six months ago because evidently y'all have known that each other for true. seven. We've been in the show for like two months. You should have known months ago, alleged soldier who knows things that Eve was on some next shit and that you definitely were the last thing that was going to help her and that she wanted no help except the help that she could use to further her goal with the 12 or with Villanelle. That's it. So Bo went out like a bitch. Just like he came in like a bitch. And that's all I have to say about that. That's it. Well, I'm he says, take care. You... And I said, take care, folks. When he said, take care of you, I said, take care, folks. Never come back, ho. I hope he died. And also, let me just point out the fact that he's still alive. Why did Foe get to leave the series alive? How is Foe? Because he's with such proximity. Uh, you say that to yourself. I'm not trying to get sued. I didn't say it. <laughs> Ask Terrence, please send all of Allegedly. your letters to him. Allegedly. To him. I'm saying that Foe. Has been in Eve's fucking life this entire show while she's been fucking with Elaine. She's been fucking with Villanelle. Why does he get to leave alive? So Elaine is interested in fucking with Eve and potentially killing her and murking her, but she's not curious about the man giving all the information. She's not curious about the person taking the trip to her. She's not curious about the person giving the access to the stuff that is hassling her. Eve wouldn't be such a big pest if she didn't have someone helping her be a pest. But Elaine's not worried about him. She didn't just send someone to shoot him and be like, you know what? Who's giving her the information? Go kill him. No. No. The only way I can map He's it. only there to give his little speech about protein shakes and being in war in episode seven. Just to say, bye, Eve. You love her? You sure? I don't think so. This is why I say he's not real. This is why I say he doesn't exist. Because it doesn't math. Villanelle's just cool with him just living there, getting the goodies. Villanelle's cool, but she's cool with Both it. Both Villanelle and Eve act out of character this season. And so that's how I will put it. Because Foe is obviously real. They use him to do real things in the show. He is there. He is a concept. Even if he's a figment, he's still a real concept that Laura injected. So whether or not he's dropped dead Fred and only we and Eve can see him or he's a real fucking character, his uselessness, his pointlessness, the absurdity of him it is remains. still the reality yeah. we're left with. So fuck foe. I just he love... walked out the door. No. Yeah. Don't I... come back no more. I love that he had no answers for when Eve actually had a question for him. When he's like, yeah, you can get through it. And she said, but what if I don't want to? And now that he was posed the question, now now all of a sudden, uh, then I can't help you. He had now no depth at all. And uh, this is the last time we see him in the show. And thank God for that. <laughs> 